Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking with skateboard prodigy and CEO and founder of Westside Recovery uh, about his journey and about the work that he is now doing. So just to give you a little bit of background here that I've now sort of been brought up to speed on because I don't live in the skate in skateboard culture, although I have uh, certainly clients in my practice that do. But here's what I've come to learn in advance of interviewing Brandon. We're just meeting for the first time today. That skate culture has always been characterized by strong elements of individuality, creative expression, and a certain misfit mentality that places the industry in a league of its own. The sport's love affair with alcohol and drugs serves as another distinctive feature, making high addiction rates within the community, well, (laughs) no little surprise. Heavy hitters like, and I, I'm, they are heavy hitters if you live in this world, but I'm just learning their names for the first time. Andrew Reynolds, Elisa Steamer, and Arto Sari, you'll correct me if I'm saying that wrong, have opened up about their own personal struggles with addiction. And many veterans with similar experiences are now using their passion for skateboarding as a point of reference for a more sober approach to life. In San Diego, skateboarding prodigy, Brandon Turner, who's with us today, also got sober after years of substance abuse and run-ins with the law. Now, with drug deaths already at a 13% increase over last year, Brandon has taken the initiative to become the CEO and founder of Westside Recovery. We're going to hear about the programs that he offers there. So he is now offering lessons, providing a supportive community for both recovering skaters and patients interested in learning the sports as a way of staying active and healthy during their recovery journey. Brandon, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for for uh, not making me feel badly about my ignorance of the uh, pro the pro sports and who you're competing amongst and uh, who your peers are. But it sounds pretty amazing. Oh, you got you got all the names all right, and I know all those people that uh, you mentioned. And you know, when it comes to uh, competing, you know, when we're at contests and stuff, we are competing. But in in life, just like you said, as skateboarders, we're all together and working together for the greater good. So tell me like a little bit about your personal story and background, you know, where, where'd you grow up? When did you get into skateboarding? When did things take a turn? So I was born in San Diego, California, and um, my uh, dad was in, in the military. He was a, a commander in the military and did the Gulf War thing. And my mom was in the medical field and um, he got uh, stationed in Japan and I moved to Japan at six and um, got immersed in the culture in Japan and fell in love with it and, uh, you know, grew up there and stuff. And um, that's kind of where I where I started my journey with, you know, just um, skateboarding and, and, you know, who I am and my whole biopsych is is a person. Wow, that's amazing. And so how long you stayed there? When did you make your your way back to San Diego then? Moved back when I was 12 and um, like I, I was skateboarding in San Diego before I before I moved to Japan, like just, you know, n- nothing seriously. But when I moved to Japan, um, you know, I fell in love with the culture and uh, went to school, learned Japanese and, and, and started taking skateboarding seriously. And then um, from there, when I moved back at at 12 years old, I, um, you know, got I got sponsored right away by uh, a company and some of my mentors. And then that's where my career started uh, taking off. But uh, that's not the the full story because there's a whole underlying story with, with, with just that basic, you know, hey, where I grew up, where I'm at now, you know. But still, I would be thinking that at 12, you're kind of right in the spotlight and being at, already at elite levels in your sport. So at what point did this, the the culture of the sport in terms of you know, drugs and alcohol and other things start to permeate into into your life? I would have to say about 15 years old, um, like a serious amateur at like 14, I would say, to where it was uh, no- noticeable by the industry. And I already had a sponsor. And then by 15, I got picked up by, you know, a starting brand called Shorty Skateboards that ended up being the biggest brand in skateboarding. And by a, a big skater that I looked up to, Chad Muska, you know, forefronted that that team. And once we started uh, taking off with success and just touring and everything, and of course, with me, 15, 16, started experimenting with drinking and then, um, you know, traveling the world and stuff and just and just uh realizing that you know like I was kind of like a an independent contractor myself so I was handling all my own business of course with the support from my parents and stuff but they didn't really know what was going on um when I was on tour and you know um you know, hanging out in in different countries and it was different ages for drinking and everything so I, I it started with alcohol first, you know, and then later on, as I got like 17, 18, I started experimenting with other stuff like drugs or I would, um, I got injured a few times, you know, break, breaking my leg, got, you know, ran over by a car. I, I 
running from the cops, you know, jumped off a bridge and broke my leg and then got um, introduced into, you know, opiates and stuff. So that's kind of how it wasn't really experimenting. But since I was already drinking at that time and then you mix it with the pain pills, that's how I started getting into that, uh, realizing that concoction. And you're saying that's that was pretty standard fare in that in that culture. Is that was that same anywhere wherever you traveled, or was that more an, an American phenomena? Well, in the in the '90s, it's it was kind of um, like uh, skateboarders are like kind of like misfits and stuff, and it was it was pretty normalized to be drinking and skating just because it eliminates the fear aspect of of um, doing these crazy tricks we did. So or do. And I used to use it kind of kind of as a tool to numb the wits inside of me. After a while, I was like, oh, I can have a few beers and then I'm not as scared to jump down all these stairs, you know? Wow. So it's so interesting how how people have their first introduction and, and you know, what the um, usually there's some positive association, sometimes social, sometimes liquid courage, they call it re- relaxation. Everyone's got their like sort of entry point around it. So what point did you say, God help me, I, I, I got to change directions here? Did not everybody has like their lowest point, but at some point you had to make a, a, a decision because you're somebody who's long years into recovery now. Yes, absolutely. So it was it's a little bit more complicated that than that and it's a more extensive story than that kind of. So I had some ch- childhood trauma when I was young, you know, moving in, in moving to Japan and just like with a identity crisis with like who I was and stuff and with uh, you know, my parents and just the shock of moving into a whole different culture and at the time there's no internet. I felt really displaced and kind of took out my element. And then, um, you know, I fell in love with the culture and didn't want to come back after a while. But my whole dream was, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, become a professional skateboarder and, and get, get a bunch of money. And then that's, uh, that's going to solve my problems and stuff. And it worked for a little bit. It worked for a little bit because, you know, the fame and, you know, everything I wanted came, came to me. And, um, and, I realized later that, you know, the, the drinking and the experimentation kept escalating. And then later on, I realized that I was, uh, I still had those buried emotions that I never had the tools to deal with when I was younger, that I was masking that. And so it, it came out externally in a, in a, in a really heavy way, you know, acting out unconsciously, you know, you know, overindulgence of alcohol and and just, you know, just looking for an unhealthy outlet when it started with a healthy outlet. And that's what kept me at bay for all those years of my own emotional trauma was the skateboarding. And then once I started to grow and able to do more things as an adult, the, you know, the alcohol had started to come out and I started realizing, or I didn't realize that, you know, I started getting into trouble and and hanging out with like, you know, the 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 wrong people and not staying to, you know, not not staying true to myself and, you know, started getting locked up and uh, you know, getting in trouble with my car and you know, getting DUIs and stuff and all this. And it wasn't until later when I found the program of like Alcoholics Anonymous that I would, you know, did this 12 step process 
that I was able to get the tools to take my inventory and not even knowing that all this acting out and I had a mental health condition that was untreated long, long, long ago. You know, I had resentments. I had fear inside of me. I had a identity crisis. I had, uh, you know, I just, I just didn't have, I didn't feel content within myself as, you know, now, you know, as a man. So when I found, you know, um, when I got a sponsor and I didn't have the access to therapy when I was younger and it wasn't, it was kind of looked, looked at as a weakness. So me as a man and growing up in, you know, my, my culture, it was, it was looked at as a weakness, like kind of like tough love, like what's wrong with you? Like slap you upside the head, like get your, get your stuff together, you know, like grow up. This is not what a man does, you know? So I had this, uh, stigma that was over me that I just needed to figure out myself. And then later on, I found out, no, every, everybody needs help. And there's nothing in this world you can really do alone. And there is support. So me with going through this 12 step process, I learned how to, you know, take my own inventory and go through my problems and actually revisit what was really going on and on with me internally. And so um, once I did that, and of course, with that came getting sober and stuff, removing um, the, the things in my life that weren't beneficial to me with that, of course, is a, 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 a benefit. But moving forward, I was just like, you know what, there's so many other skaters and people of all different walks of, of life that, um, you know, might have this emotional trauma and be going through these, these things and they just don't have the tools or the support to, um, get them. And that's why I decided to, you know, decided and realized my purpose of going through all these tragic things that I put myself through was to have the experience to help others through my experience. Thank you for being willing to share your story. Um, both my brother gets his 40, uh, 40 year medallion of sobriety from AA, um, actually later in, in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I know that program, know that program well. Uh, and, and how great that you, to, to your point, the, the resiliency of a human being to turn their suffering into good for others, I think is, 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 it, I think it's part, I think it's why they make you get sponsors. I think it's, it's part of that program. And it sounds like you plugged into something that was just really personal and passionate for you. So how did, how did you actually like get, get going into reaching out to others or getting this organized? I mean, it's this a big this is a big thing you've set up. I'm sure it didn't happen overnight. No, it didn't happen overnight. Um, you know, once I, you know, got sober in our in our program of AA, and I went through a, a kind of different style program, uh, BBA. Big, it's called Big Book Awakening. And um, what we do for service, it's a uh, unit unity. It's a triangle. You know, unity, service, and recovery. So. Um, we unify each other, go, go to meetings, you know, recovery, and then we, we help others like with sponsorships. And I was just like, you know, with, uh, my platform and influence that I do have and these ideas, these different outlets to kind of get to the youths 
to recovery because when anyone thinks about rehab, they just think of, and I've said this before, like uh, they like jail or something limiting. And I just wanted to, I wanted to encourage and kind of influence it in a different way to create, you know, a skateboarding program, a music program, art program, you know, yoga and Pilates, surfing, just different outlets that people may be interested in to, to help them get back to their power, you know? And the way, getting back to your question that I organized it is like, at first I partnered with a Healthy Life Recovery and uh, my, uh, the owner, the, my, my partner, Ryan Witt, and um, we, um, I approached him and with a, a, a full plan and um, I agreed to implement some of my ideas in their program. And then the final goal was for me to open up my own. So, you know, that took, you know, a few years and um, I learned the the industry and got mentored by some, some good people and a lot of help. And, and now we're here. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, well, it's amazing. And I think you're quite right. Who, you know, who wants to go to uh, <laughs> go off to the uh, recovery center that feels like it's going to be uh, similar to a jail when you can go do, do all the wonderful things that youth want to do to get engaged. All of those things speak to uh, being embodied, being creative, you know, um, uh, I can't imagine somebody not being able to find something they'd like to do with that diversity of programming. Is it, is it residential or is it outpatient? It's a, uh, it's a uh, IOP, which is intensive outpatient. And then we have PHP, which is partial hospitalization and then OP, which is a uh, outpatient. So depending on your level and you know, what your, your usage was or, um, you know, kind of like everybody has, you know, their different level of care and depending on that, that's how we, um, uh, that's how we, um, decide of what, what, what kind of program is tailored to you. And I guess that would then same question would be in terms of what the program looks like and how long someone would, you know, re require support at which level that's all going to be all individualized and customized. It's not like some of these programs in Ontario here where I am are you know, boom, 30 days and then, you know, they'll, they'll reconsider you, but they're very little small chunks of time. 
Yeah, I mean, um, it's it takes ninety days for you know to it, it takes ninety days for new uh, new blood cells to reoccur, meaning that it takes you know at least ninety days to implement a new habit. You know, so I think and th there's a process. So depending on what your substance was um, usually the 30 day process from anywhere from two weeks to 30 days is the detox stabilization process. And then you go to a residential for that. And then you do your therapy because what we see is, uh, you know, 30% of it might be the substance, but the other 70% of it is mental, whether that's a trauma, PTSD, ADHD, or anxiety, or whatever your mental condition is like that, that comes out during the stabilization process. Yeah. Well, and even, even you were saying to yourself, not, not knowing this was percolating in you, that was really part of the, part of the storyline, part of the, the weave and the web of, of who you are and where you, where, where you've been and how you got out of it. Actually, it's also, also true. So, um, for for parents that are listening and they're first of all i'm thinking about the parent listening going like oh my god my kid likes skateboarding is he going to become a drug addict <laughs> maybe i shouldn't get him that skateboard for his birthday that's not the message here um <laughs> how do we keep our kids you know enjoying the sport and and safe from the perils and what can we what can we you know do preventatively um for our kids uh preventively i think um you know depending on what age, I just think as a parent too, is uh, having the support and listening. And uh, if, if kids are going through stuff and you, you notice something, then uh, I would say, you know, as, as uh, a parent as well as like, you know, we don't have all the answers sometimes and there's nothing wrong with, you know, looking out for other resources to see what's going on. If, because any parent can tell when their child's going through something, whether it's something in school or they can't really school, they're more introverted. Or and usually a lot of introverted skaters skate because it's their outlet. And then they might indulge in something that's not healthy for them so they can feel more a part of something. And I would just say like, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to do anything that's disempowering to you to be a part of thing because um skateboarding is an amazing thing it's an amazing outlet you know and uh to be safe with it and um you know just to just to just to listen and not you know and and not fall like and not fall back on the stigmas that like getting help means something's wrong with you because usually what i found out is just sometimes people have a superpower inside of them that they don't know know how to control or access or interpret and there's there's help for that you know and that's how i look at it so when they do the when they're besides the art classes and the other activities so then they're also getting like group counseling or individual individual counseling is that being is that being addressed simultaneously or in a separate way yes absolutely like we have a you know a clinical director a medical director, case managers, um, and group therapy, and uh, also, um, also like like coaches on your day to day, and to help you navigate and what activities you want to do, and anything you want to get anywhere you want to get to in life, whether it's skateboarding or to be a lawyer. Like, hey, okay, what does this look like? You know, let's get your underlying issues under control and see what's going on with you personally 
and emotionally and possibly sometimes physically. And then let's get to the correct steps to getting you back to where on track to where you want to go. And so um, do you ever hear parents who say, listen, I think your program's great, but I can't get my kid to go because there's still just a stigma? Like, I mean, how do we how do we pile the kid in the car <laughs> that's the, the hesitant the hesitant kid who's really let things go too far that doesn't think they're ready yet? What, what, what do you ever have that situation come up? Yeah, I mean, I, I deal with people like a lot, too, who know they, you know, say someone like, oh, I drink too much. I drink every day. And you know, when I try to stop, I have, you know, the shakes or this and that, what do I do? But, oh, I can't go to a detox because I, I'm working or I have a family or anything, but it's, you just have to go through the motions. And what, what, with what you're saying about, you know, people, kids who are addicts or something who just don't want to get help, then that, that's when I would say, you know, you, you, you try to have an intervention with them. And there's, and there's plenty of people of, of, of influence and just with the license who can help with the intervention process, because that's a skill in itself. Yeah, I, I think um, once the addiction's taken that much of a grip of the midbrain, it's really not your child, or your teen talking or your young, young youth. I don't know what where you cap your age for, for for being too old for the program. But but at that point, it's really the the addictions trying to make a decision and the addiction wants its substance or whatever. It's not making good life decisions. So those interventions, I think, would be critical. Yes, absolutely. But for some people. Mm -hmm. And um it's it's kind of like um, with me, like getting help and stuff, no matter what I heard or how many good people I ha had around me, it had to be my decision. You know, and anything you do in life, it's just like, hey, you can listen to all these great things or people you respect or anything, but it's it's really got to be your decision. And that's what I've learned with people is just like, like, hey, do you... And and the thing, everything in life has happened and where we're here now is through questioning. You know, you ask them like, hey, are you happy with your life right now? Are you are you are are you happy at all? Are you uh are you on track to where you want to be? Um are you willing to get help? Um just 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 asking the right questions can help make people uh come up with a decision for themselves. Yeah. Um, what, do, what do you think parents need to know that they're not that they're not knowing or getting? Because if you haven't been living in this world or you haven't been living in the treatment world, uh, you know, they probably have to get up to speed on things. What do you wish parents knew or um, what's the is there some big missing knowledge gap that would be helpful? That there there still is a stigma out there. And um, with social media and everything, um, there's a strong and I'm, I'm sure parents do know this is through social media and everything. And it can really make you feel down on yourself and that your life is not good enough or you're not good enough or these, all these people are doing these amazing things and that, um, you know, you know, feeling bad about failure and everything and just getting down on yourself. It's, it's, it's a really big thing. Like people just feel like it's, it's just not real, you know? And I would just say like, um, what I tell people, oh, I, people are doing all this and everything and looking at all these pictures. And I just tell people like, hey, it's okay. Like, unless you try, 
something new, like you'll never know. And like failure has the same seed as success. So it's okay to fail. Most successful people had to fail a bunch of times. So you just have to go through your own personal journey and experience it. And that's your life's experience. And you have to enjoy it because life's meant to enjoy, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure for some of those kids they, that um, uh, they've maybe lost, lost hope in, uh, in their game. And, you know, they, I think teen, I work with teens in my private practice too, and they really feel like life is this moment and they don't realize you know, if you live to what, 85, 90, you got a lot of life ahead of you, right? It's, but they're very myopic, you know, you're 16, 17 year old, it feels like one mistake is catastrophic and non-recoverable. And I think that, you know, stories like yourself and the other people that are coming out in your profession that are, you're, you're inspirational, you're that form of mentorship. Yes, it's professional help, like quite clinically organized professional help. Um, but it's also uh, really just, sort of spiritual inspirational help of somebody's story and being open about it, seeing that success can, can be theirs too. Yeah, absolutely. And we all have that in us and we can really do anything we want. It's just uh, removing the stigmas and the fear of failing because, you know, failure is part of the process. And I'm sure when people start to realize that, in some case scenarios, some people get lucky and that's all good. But, you know, um, life's about enjoying and like going through the experience and reaching out and, and you, and you and I know there's nothing, you don't have to do it alone. There's nothing in this world. There's no business owner in this world that can do it alone. Everybody needs help. So I think, um, that's, that, that would be a good point to, to make to these kids like, Hey, you don't have to do it alone and you really can't like everybody needs help. I agree. And find the fact that you can find those people within the skateboard community, you can stay with your sport, you can stay with your passion, but you can do it in a sober, in a sober way. Yeah. And you don't, you don't have to be loaded to be cool. You know, you can be, you can be cool and sober and living a good life and remembering what you do and not re- living not having to wake up and regret stuff or who you have to apologize to or whatever you do that's disempowering with your life has my, that may feel good at the moment. There's also the opposite effect to that too, as well. And you don't, and it's a choice. You don't have to live like that. And that's the stuff that doesn't get posted on social media, right? Everyone getting stoned at the party ends up on social media, but not, not the people, you know, watching for the lights in the back rear view mirror about to get their first DUI, right? Yeah, exactly. They're not filming that, you know, yeah. or they ain't got no, uh, you ain't got your phone camera in the jail cell, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a very, it's very biased towards the glorification of those things. And, um, and I think it's a slippery slope that people think they're going to be okay. And I don't think they know the the science of the grasp of it. it's not a character flaw to get an addiction. These are substances that are designed to interact with your brain that way to make you crave. So it's not, it's not a moral failing for somebody to go down that path. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, some people have chemical imbalances and need to need to be on medication to get stabilized. And it doesn't mean they have to be on it forever. It just, uh, it means that, you know, like where our, our bodies are a system and there is things, there is, uh, medications out there that are are helpful and that's helped a lot of people and stuff but there's also 
you know, the, the, the street drugs that you just have to educate people with. If kids are feeling some type of way and they're self-medicating that that's not the way, because it's, it's, I would say to the parents too, to just educate the kids. It's real dangerous out there with just like pills or whatever with the fentanyl out there and everything like people are just dying like it only takes a little bit and it's just and and it it could be over with over one one wrong decision yeah yeah and and hopefully uh, hopefully the relationship is strong enough um and it's not always between parent and child because that can be part of the backstory but hopefully we have enough uh, enough integrity in the relationship that we have a little bit of their ear you know, hopefully, or someone does some elder in their life, somebody, somebody who, who, um, whose influence they would be open to. And the fact that you get to be that open influence for a lot of kids now, which I think is amazing, which is just amazing. Is there anything else you want to make sure that parents know about, about you, about your center, about the work, um, any other takeaways for, for them to put into action in their homes? Um, yeah, um, no, my, my program is called Westside Recovery and, uh, the website is, uh, Westside Recovery SD, like San Diego.com can, um, check out the site. My, my personal Instagram is, uh, B Turner underscore and, um, the direct numbers on the site. And, you know, if you want to learn about me and the program, it's, it's all right there. And, um, you know, I have my skate clips and just lifestyle stuff on, on my Instagram and we have a Facebook uh, page uh, and uh, the Instagram for for Westside Recoveries, the West Recovery. And um, yeah, and if uh, anyone's struggling with uh, mentally or with stuff, substance abuse in it, um, for parents who think they're, you know, it would be helpful to their, to their kids or loved ones, like, please reach out. And even if I, my program is not a good fit for them, or I can't help them in my capacity, I have plenty of relationships to make, uh, to help them get the help they need. Oh, that's wonderful. And just so, so listeners know, this will, all those handles, and we'll throw those up in the show notes with the uh, hyperlinks so people can find you right away. And thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing for your community, for families, for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. And best of, best of luck for all the lives that you're going to touch with your work. Thank you so much for having me, Austin. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.